Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. We are daring to be different once more, once again. What's up? It's Yaya, and we are definitely daring to be different. Definitely moving forward. You're listening to us on 97.5 FM, Real Community Radio in North Port, Florida, as well as Bomb Baby Radio. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Bomb Baby Radio in New York City and the Dream Chasers Radio on TV Network. Oh, I had to sneeze. I couldn't hold it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We have a great show for you today. You know, careers can change your entire life. Which ones are those? Anyone, really. Truly any career can really change your life. And so it's amazing. It's just amazing how changing your mind and changing your attitude and then changing your job can affect your entire life, your entire life. I think it's it's just an amazing thing. It's an amazing adventure, and I'm hoping that we can get our caller in from uh, Europe to tell us all about how they have changed their lives. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to call in. The, the timing and all that stuff is different there, but let me hope and see if we still have that going. But we are sponsored today, and I'm going to go ahead and play a, a little small little uh, sponsorship for you. That's going to be our sponsor for the next two weeks, and I want to thank them, and we'll be right back after these messages. Visit our exciting adventure club at www.duckymaze.com. Pinky and Todd will be waiting there for you with their entertaining adventures, as well as their home and garden merchandises for you to view. Enjoy our amazing home and garden website at www.duckymaze.com. Ducky Mays, thank you guys so much for sponsoring today's and the next two weeks. They'll be our sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor the show, just let us know and give us an email and we'll get right back to you. Radio at gmail.com or tv at yagadiamond.com, tv at yagadiamond.com. You know, I love it. I love careers that change your life. You know, today I went out. I'm sorry, I'm kind of eating my vitamin C here. I went out today to take the life and insurance exam, life and health insurance. I failed. I did. That's normal. Not everybody passes on their first try. I'm not very good at tests. I'll do it again. I'll get better. I'll wait a little bit a little bit and 
study a little bit more and then go back. Uh, but I mean, you know, changing your life is changing your, you know, your, your, you have to make new decisions. You have to, you have to really, really bog down and find out what it is you want to do in life. I think that I like a little bit of something in involving helping people, involving being in the industry, involving, uh, you know, podcasting and everything like that. And I'm a big, big, big fan of just being there for people. I think that that's where I'm going to blossom. And, uh, and of course, the music industry, whatever's, uh, whatever the music industry is now, you know, whatever we've made of it is, is where we all kind of reside. So careers change, but also the career itself can change. So you've seen the music uh, world, I should say. The music world has changed. Uh, there is, you know, there are no more record deals, and if there are, there are very few, far in between. And unless you're a big, big star, they really suck. <laughs> they really do suck. So, I mean, what can you do to change your career? So, uh, what kind of careers are you looking for? Uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do. A lot of things that people ask. You know, what are the careers and what are the things that can change your life? And I would say careers that that can change your life, it, it can be, oh, my gosh, it could be so many different things. It could be a, 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 a medical insurance billing, encoding specialist, you know, cosmetology, uh, a musician. That'll change your life. Yeah, it really will change your life. <laughs> So let me see, let me see, uh, what else, what else? Um, mm, you know, okay, so let me think. I, I'm thinking of a cool career here. Uh, something that you could do that, you know, it, that you can research about, you know, take your first steps. And I guess um, a personal trainer, massage therapist, you know, um, business management, technology, um, there are just so many different things. I think after, you know, you get to a certain age, you know, getting to that different thing, going into that second, you know, wind, I would say, is hard. It's difficult. It's something that is not easy. Um, it is definitely something that I have found to be a little different and a little bit of a – um Hmm, how would I say it? A little bit of a challenge because I haven't studied in a long time. And so now I have to go back and I have to study. And it's like, I don't want to study. <laughs> I don't want to study. But you have to. In order to change your career, in order to change your life, in order to change everything that you've known so far, it kind of push it to a different realm. Um. Yeah, you have to study. Dude, it's bad. It's bad because, you know, I never thought that changing my career or even adding, adding to the things I know could be so, so daggone time consuming. It's like I have a life and now I have to add something different. And it's not like I don't want to do it because I do, but it's just, you know, it's, it de definitely has changed my life, changed my life for the better. 
I don't know. I have no idea because what I'm working toward is something in the future. I'm not really looking at the present, but I'm looking at the future. I'm looking at what it can bring me. Uh, what I'm looking for is something that will have a residual income, something that when I'm not when I'm sleeping, I'm still making money, you know, and th- those are the things that I'm looking at and I'm looking at my time and I'm go- I'm going, the clock is really winding down here. And it's like, when you're young, the clock winds up. When you get older, the clock winds down. <laughs> so, but I think it's always been winding down. I just didn't notice, you know, so changing your life and changing your career is going to be something that you need to look into and, uh, I'm just saying, you know, it's something that is really, really cool. Hey, yo. Call me, tell me, don't give him no free game at all. Hey, you know, you're right. I'm all about the decimals. Dream on. I'm all about the decimals. I'm all about the decimals. Ooh, big head on the beat. Yeah, I've been running up them decimals. Hey, 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 hey. Like my car with some decimals. Hey, 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 hey. Pushing on the star with my decimals. Belly with the bar with my decimals. We gon' buy the mall with my decimals. And I've been running up them decimals. Alligator blobs on my Kelly Jelly me up with swabs on my Kelly shit. Weezy told me mob like some gangster shit. Niggas weaving bob when I hold a clip. Serving up the squads, how we go legit. Feeling like the mall, I'm like, damn it, If we start a mall, I'ma eat my grits. So I'm grinding hard just to get a check. Money tag, the a money tag. Sousing in the bottom of my Bernie's bag. Hope you got no ballin' out of free throw. All about my cash, I'm about to zero. Sousing up the swag, sousing up the swag. Chiefing up the strong from a zippy bag. Yeah, I've been running up them decimals. Hey, 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 hey. Like my car with some decimals. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Pushing on the star 
I'm in Inglewood, living off Arbavita. I'm on government assistance, and I run out of money, and I had to buy Pampers for Jelani. And I had $11.42 in the bank. And I remember wrapping my son in a towel for two days. You know, someone said, because when I tell the story, I always get teary-eyed. And someone said, do you fabricate the tears because you've told the story so much? No, I'm a mama. Every time I tell the story, I feel it again. I remember the second day, like you said, I had my, my hand on Jelani's stomach and I said, don't worry, baby. Mommy will never be this broke or broken again. And that day, what shifted for me was I was willing, and I don't know if this is going to sound crazy, I was willing to completely die to any form of me that I had been so that I can birth the woman that I was becoming. The reason why a lot of people won't become who they want is because they're too attached to who they've been. And you hear it all the time when people say, I've always been this way. Okay, well, if that's working for you, keep doing that. I knew it wasn't working for me any longer. I had hit my version of rock bottom. So I was willing to let go of everything and everybody. See, another reason why people won't get there is because the doorway is for you to fit through. You're trying to carry everybody else through because you're trying to be rescue 911. And you got to rescue you first. I am much more valuable to my family and to my community because I was willing to let them go. Go through the door myself. Teach myself, learn myself, condition myself, and then come back and get them. I'm much more valuable to them now. But I had to go through a window time of 10 years of judgment. You leaving us, hanging out with white people all the time. You going to these crazy countries. We, we don't know what you... I, I had to be willing to, to allow my conviction to make me inconvenient. See, we want to grow, but we want to stay liked by everybody. I was willing to be my own rescue at the risk of your approval. Most of us aren't like that. Facebook is an example. We want to be liked. Well, I woke up and I like myself today, so your like is extra. My, my job is to like me first. I was willing to say every day, Lisa, you like you? Lisa, are you proud of you? Lisa, are you playing full out? Every day before I checked in with anybody else. That's lonely, by the way. Why won't most people do it? Because it's scary and it's lonely. So what did I do? I was willing to find people who had what I didn't have, who were living lives that I wasn't living, who believed things that I didn't know about, and I was willing to become their student. I got up every day and I ate a slice of humble pie. See, when you get to this level, even me 10 years ago, you can get caught up by reading your own fine print. See, whenever I hear people reading my bio, when, before I came on and you read my bio, I'm in the back going, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't want to ever think I arrived. I don't ever, that bio is old. I, I, you should be interested in my future. Oh, that's my bio. What's my future? Oh, what are you doing? What am I, who am I becoming for 2020? And we get caught up in our bios. We get caught up in our status. I never allowed that to stop me from going and sitting at the hem of someone and saying, what do you know about wealth? See, because there's three forms to money. There's three relationships to money. We learn how to earn it. We learn how to keep it. And we learn how to grow it. Well, I, I learned how to earn it. 
because my theme song was, I'm a hustler, baby, and I want you to know, everybody with me, it ain't where I've been, but what, where I'm about to go. So I was singing that song. <laughs> they know, they know, right? I was singing that song when I was, I was in, working out of my closet as my office. I, w- I was in a walk-in closet where you really couldn't walk in. You stepped in and turned, right? <laughs> and, and, and the clothes rack, you know how you have the hanger rack. I had pant hangers in the closet, and I had manila folders clipping on the, the pant hangers. Those are my client files. And I would sit there, and I put two ninety-nine mirrors off that you get from CVS. I put them all around my closet walls so that I could make my, my office look bigger. I worked out of that closet office for four years singing that song. It ain't where I've been, but where I'm about to go. I knew that. I knew how to make money. I didn't know how to keep it, because ain't nobody had none in my family. So keeping wasn't an issue. Growing was never an issue. So I went to people who knew how to make it, keep it, grow it. I went to people who was about serving others to the highest level. See, I make a lot of money because I serve more people. See, all your success is on the other side of service. People are trying to make money. If it begins and ends with money, it's going to be a short-lived victory. But if it's about transforming lives, then the wind keeps going and going and growing and growing. So I went to people that knew what I didn't know. And I, I, I killed my ego every day, murdered my she-go every day. Because I got a big she-go. I mean, come on, right? Every day, Tom. And I got hungry and I learned. I went to the same training 42 times. Yes, I said 42. Some folk will stop. Oh, I've been there already. I learned that already. Yeah. No, I wasn't there. I wanted to be able to finish their sentences. I want to know what you know. I want to walk like you, talk like you, and then I want to embed me in it. But success leaves clues. We're just not picking them up. I was the only African-American person at this conference. I was one of two women at this conference. Within the last 29 sessions, I led the conference but I was willing to be the student first. So that's what I did, number one. And number two, I looked at every toxic behavior in my life. Everyone. You see me go behind my own black curtain. People don't want to tell on yourself. You're trying to protect. You're trying to do four things. You're trying to protect, prove, hide, and defend. If you wake up every day and say, I have nothing to protect. I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to defend. Now, who do I choose to be? Because your energy is consumed with protecting, proving, hiding, and defending. But if you let go of that, then now you're in creation. Every day I told myself that. Every day I got in the mirror and I said three sentences. And I gave each sentence seven different endings. And at times I was crying so hard I couldn't understand myself because the ending, the sentence was so difficult to say. Every day I looked in the mirror and said, Lisa, I'm proud that you. And I found seven different things to celebrate Lisa for because we are under-celebrated. Because you want someone to celebrate you more than you celebrating yourself. You want to hear thank you from others more than you're thanking yourself. You want to hear other people say I love you more than you saying I love yourself. You are teaching the world. I set this on Oprah. When I set this on Oprah, she said, oh, my God, I believe the exact same thing. So I knew I had one thing right. (laughs) (laughs) The world is looking at you and following your example of how to treat you, how to treat you. They're following your example of how to treat you. So how you treat you, the world's going to follow your lead. So I had to start treating Lisa better because I was everything for everybody but nothing for myself. And so every day I got in the mirror and I completed three sentences. Lisa, I'm proud of you for. Second thing, Lisa, I forgive you for. 
that one took me down daily because I'd had a son with a man who's now in prison, my biggest nightmare, my greatest nightmare. I had been in a relationship that turned mentally and then physically abusive when my son was three years old. I made money but lost it. I was on government assistance. I was on welfare. I was on WIC, women, infant, and children. I got a lot of forgiveness that I had to do. But I was willing to forgive myself every day. And every day I said the same thing for like six months until it got easier. And then one day I went, Lisa, I forgive you for it. And that thing didn't come up anymore. I was like, ooh, okay, on to the next seven different endings. And the last thing I did every day, last sentence, is Lisa, I commit to you that. Because we make bigger commitments to other people. If I commit to y'all something, ride or die, you can bet your last dime that I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. You're going to get two dimes. But I would make commitments for me, for myself, and I wouldn't do it. I eat my weight. So I started every day celebrating Lisa, forgiving Lisa, and making a commitment to Lisa. And then I was willing to invest money in me. I was willing to invest money in me. Literally. 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 I worked at L.A. Unified School District. And I knew I couldn't stay there because they needed a degree. I didn't have a degree. They didn't seem happy. I wanted to be happy. So I would I would have my son at daycare during the day. I'd work nine hours. I'd pick him up from daycare, take him back to my office. I'd take a 30-minute break from 6 o'clock to 6.30 to go get him. I'd start working from 6.30 until midnight every day at my office on me, every day. Put my son on a little, you know, primary color blanket, something to occupy him. Give him toys that I took the batteries out of so he'd be confused for a little while trying to figure out <laughs> why they're not working. I'm sure I'm serious. And I, I did it every day, every day, every day. I stopped going out to dinner. I stopped going out dancing. I stopped getting my nails done, stopped getting my hair done. And every two weeks when Ella Unified paid me, I wrote a check to my dream. And I wrote in the memo line, funding my dream. And I would, I would mail the check to the bank, Wells Fargo. And I mailed a check to myself every two weeks for three and a half years. My family thought, you know, thought I was smoking on drugs. (laughs) Like, she ain't going out. She she eating beanies and weenies all week. We think she's on drugs, but she's not getting any smaller, so maybe not. (laughs) And, um, And I went to the bank after three and a half years. This is the story you're talking about. I walked in the bank. I said, I'm just going to check and see where that account is because I wouldn't open the I wouldn't open the statements because my mother used to say when I was growing up girl this money burning my pocket and I'm like oh, I think money hot and it goes <laughs> and it, thank you thank you so much and it goes away fast so I'm not going to open the statement because I don't want to know how much money I have because I didn't have a healthy relationship to money I didn't even know a relationship with money so while I'm at these trainings they just kept saying save I'm like okay I'm gonna save I didn't need the money um, that I was writing checks for because it was the money I used on my nails and my hair. And then every check I wrote to myself, I made a challenge with myself that it had to be 5% more than the next check. Wow. Than the previous check. So I, And I didn't really know how to calculate the 5%, so I'm like, well, I'll just add $30. I'll just add $60. I really didn't know anything about it. Then I went out and got a second job. 
And I started working in the evenings less on my business and more out on jobs so I can write a bigger check. So I learned how to live on $31,000. That's all I was living on, $31,000. We can make it. We got it. I sold my Altima. I had at the time, I bought an old Ford Explorer. You know, I just, I just, I just skinny down. I moved out of my three-bedroom house. I moved in with a roommate. She smoked even. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put towels under the base of the door. Y'all, you got to be inconvenienced. I put towels on the base of the door so the smoke wouldn't come in the room with me and my son. We slept side by side in the same bed. Went from a three-bedroom, you know, three-bathroom house, two-story, to a roommate, you know, because I was willing to write a check to fund my dream. And I kept writing, funding my dream, funding my dream, funding my dream. And I walked into Wells Fargo three and a half years later, and I, I gave her my name. I said, hi, my name is Lisa Nichols. And she's like, you the funding my dream lady. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. <laughs> so all these tellers came running around. The manager came around because I guess everybody had processed a check or two. Right. And <laughs> they were like, we all been wondering. Like, everybody wants to know, what's the dream you funded? And I was like, I don't know. It's going to cost some money. <laughs> I think I got a little money now to fund the dream. And so I said, I just came to get my balance and to see where it is because I, I haven't opened any of the statements. They were like, what? But no, I haven't opened any of the statements because uh, money burns my mama's pocket, so it might burn my pocket, so I don't want to spend it. So she wrote the balance down. You know how they write the balance down, and she turned it and passed it to me, and I looked at it, and I said, no, ma'am, my name is Lisa Shante Nichols. <laughs> this is my social security number. I don't even want that money because y'all going to want it back, and I don't want to get in trouble, so can you just give me my account? You know, because I didn't know anyone in my family that had $5,000 in their account, $10,000 in account. So when you write down that I have $62,500 in my account, that's not mine. And so they all teared up. Like, everybody started crying. They're like, no, it's yours. I looked down at my son, Jelani, who was five years old now, and I said, Jelani, I think life is going to change for you and mommy. <laughs> my son said... Mommy, can we finally go to McDonald's now? Because <laughs> so, I've been making them homemade Big Macs for a while. I was like, Mama, Mama can make you a better Big Mac than, you know, Ronald McDonald. <laughs> so, because I was, I was willing to inconvenience my entire life. My entire life. I was willing to disrupt my entire life to buy my future. To buy my possibility. To give my dream a chance. See, we're not supposed to tuck our dreams in on the, on the pillow when we get up in the morning. We're not supposed to leave them at home and go and fulfill somebody else's dream. We're not supposed to do that. That's not what we're wired to do. That's not who we are. Your human spirit doesn't care about the economy. The human spirit doesn't care that my son's father went to prison. My, the human spirit doesn't care what's happened to your family. The human spirit doesn't care about the past. You may have been molested or your family may have been broke or, or you may have been betrayed or you may have a divorce. Your human spirit doesn't care about any of that. Your human spirit simply says, What's our command for tomorrow? What do you want to create? It's not keeping score. Your brain is keeping score because your brain is designed to keep you safe. Your soul, your intuition, your human spirit is designed to make you soar. And when you get to the edge of that stage, I want to get up right now. Can I get up you right now? You whatever you want. Okay. Think when, I'm going to tell Lisa Dickens no? When, Come on now. When you get to the edge... Your brain will always tell you to step back. It's always going to tell you to step back because you can fall. Always. It's going to tell you to step back because before you fail, the last time you did this, 
You saw someone else fail. You could hurt. You could be off work. It's going to tell you. It's designed to keep you safe. So you have to be willing to play between your brain and your soul. And on some days, you've got to just listen to your soul. And you've got to say, I'm going to leap. I'm going to get to the edge. Most people are at the edge. And you're standing at the edge. And you're watching everyone else fly. That's pimp my ride. Watch my cribs. All this stuff. You know, watching people's lives on Facebook. You're at the edge watching someone else live. Wondering what it's going to be like when you jump without ever jumping. And I'm just here to tell you, jump. Because only three things can happen. You're either going to jump and fly. Are you going to jump and fall on something soft? Are you going to fall down hard? Either way, you're going to get back up. You already know you got what it takes to get back up. You're not, your greatest fear is not that you will fall. Your greatest fear is that you will live a full life and never fly. That you never leap. You're not afraid of dying. You're afraid of dying before the world sees who you really are. Before they really get your fingerprint. Before they really feel your breath. Before they really get your contribution. Before they really feel you. That's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to leave this place without us knowing you were here. All I'm doing is giving my, my dream a chance. And I'm not extraordinary. You don't get off the hook. You don't get to be let off the hook. I'm an ordinary woman who chooses every day to make one more extraordinary decision. You're a grinder. Yeah, right? Like fucking... <laughs> Well, that was Miss Lisa Nichols talking about how she changed her life. You know, we have that in our power to change our circumstances, to change our life, to change our direction. You know, don't be afraid. I think the leap is is really the biggest part of it because once you're over the edge, there's nothing, there's no place else to go but towards that change. I think the more you do it, the more comfortable, you know, the comfortable part of it will come. But jumping is always the uncomfortable part. I want to thank my caller for calling in today. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dream Chasers Radio. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Hello. My name is Rachel Ann Cox, and I am a writer. Awesome, awesome. So tell me, I know you have a book called A Light from the Ashes. Tell me about that. Absolutely. It's um, a dystopian novel that's about, that t- takes place 40 years in the future. And mm. so children of these revolutionaries um, are living with limited supplies and no electricity and are about to start another revolution to take down the dictatorship that's taken charge of America that has been ruined by wars and natural disasters and things. Hmm. That doesn't sound too far-fetched. <laughs> it doesn't. It, really doesn't. it doesn't. It sounded no. farther fetched a little while ago when I started writing it, but the long and the last couple of years, it started to sound a little more plausible, which is scary. Isn't that scary? How sometimes the books that you've read in the past actually are happening today. When you did you ever think that you would be a writer? You know, it's always been a dream of mine. I've been writing since I was. A little kid. I remember I wrote my first play, I think, when I was about eight for my family. Mm. And so it's always kind of been in the back of my mind, but I wasn't sure that I was going to do it as a career until probably I was in college. That's when I really started looking towards it. Hmm. 
Now, the book, the book itself, how does your book stand out from other, uh, uh, di- what is it, those novels, the uh, Dysotopian? Di- yeah. Dysotopian, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> My tongue got it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tell me about that. It, st- it stands out because it's it's an adult dystopian novel, for one thing, and those are a little more rare than some of the YA novels that you see, something like Hunger Games. Um, but it also has uh-huh. a literary bent to it. Um, there's there's allusions to classics and history, and also that the, the fight and the, the dystopia of it and the ugly world that they live in is not the main story, but rather the backdrop for some of the relationships mm-hmm. that happen between the characters. Mm. Now, you know, what is your favorite character in this book and why? You know, it's so hard to choose (laughs) a favorite character because you get attached to all of them, obviously. I mean, they all came out of my brain. But I (laughs) I am drawn to the most. um, Sophie and Jesse are two of the the main women characters in the book, and, and they are so strong despite all of these traumas that they've lived through and yet they're not mm-hmm. hardened by them they're still soft and and loving characters and and they're mm-hmm. so gentle with the children and the children are in the book are also some of my favorite characters they're pretty fun hmm. now the book is set in virginia am i right you are correct yeah tell me yeah, about that a- tell me about i mean is that it's virginia being poverty stricken and, and 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 just third world kind of thing. I mean, is that is that the Virginia? I mean, I can't imagine it, but again, like I said, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it's it doesn't sound to imagine the Virginia that we know. Um, yeah, it's. I wanted it to be somewhere near the South because I grew up in the South, and that's something that I'm familiar with. But also, I needed it to be on the coast. And so I was I was leaning towards a southern state that was that was on the coast, and its its um, proximity to Washington D.C. was important as well for the story. Why? Um, well, because <laughs> let's see how can I explain this. Um, so the so the country is still being run from Washington D.C., although it's not the Washington D.C. that we know today. Everything has been oh. decimated by natural disasters and and wars and things, and so everything kind of has has created become more of an agrarian kind of farm like feel to it, and so mm-hmm. that's something that I've always felt about Virginia anyway, that it has okay. like a, a an old that old farm quality in places still. Um, but not necessarily in the city. So, um, but it was important for it to be near um, Washington D.C. because because there's no electricity, because there's no cars or anything. They're walking everywhere, and mm. and so the people that are are left alive after these huge disasters are are near where the the country is still being run in Washington D.C. Hmm. Now you know I think you hint, hinted on writing this a little bit further in the past than it in the in you know to, than right now where this seems plausible but where did you come up with the idea for this book well it's funny sometimes our fears play into um the things that we write about and i was thinking one day 
about how much we've started putting everything in the cloud, you know. Um, we upload mm-hmm. everything to either like Google Drive or any of these cloud services that we use to play our music, to save our files and our pictures and our, you know, everything is on somebody else's server these days, whereas we used to keep a lot of the files on our own hard drives and stuff. And so I started thinking, like, what would happen one day if suddenly all this was gone? Because I thought about it, so many of my pictures that I take for of my family and different things are online and I don't have physical copies of them. And so what would happen mm. if one day all of that just went away and it scared right. the hell out of me. And so wow. I, I started playing with that idea of what these people would do if suddenly the internet and electricity were gone. And it wasn't long after I had that thought that my main character, Sam, he just showed up and in a scene in my head and I was like, okay, we're going to write this story. Wow. You know, that that's the one thing that I am. I am kind of old school where uh, a little bit too. Yeah, I I keep everything on hard drives and little thumbnail discs whatever and you know, I got my right. little hard drive. I got my little inserts on the side of my computer. I I save everything. I got like I got like four or five notebooks. <laughs> Absolutely. I and I have started being yeah. the same way. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, the cloud is interesting. It's good to share. I think that the cloud has its purpose. You know, I share files between uh, different places, you know, different people. I'll send them a, a, a file from my cloud because, you know, I, you, can put, you can upload. But as far as, like, storage-wise, I, never, I, I just never really got into that. I, I don't, you know. But it's good to have it in the book. I mean, think about it. These are things that can actually happen now, and you you knew about this way before. Does that, does that not freak you out, though? You know, it does freak me out. And I'll tell you two, th- two other things specifically that freaked me out was that I wrote, I started writing this book in 2016 to the end of 2015, finished it in a couple of years. And when I wrote it, there are, uh, not to give things away, but there's a, there are scenes with children in cages and a wall mm. that blocks these people in. Mm. And when I wrote it, those things hadn't happened yet in our country. And that freaks me out. Mm. Mm. I know you opened your book like, no, who read my book? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Who read the book? Who read the book? I didn't, who's pulling my leg? You know? Exactly. Oh, my it gosh. It can't be real, right? Oh, my gosh. Now, tell me, what is Lone Wolf Communications, LLC? Is that your company? It's not. Lone Wolf Communications is the company of my publicist, Jennifer Perry. Hmm. And how did you come yes. up? I mean, do you really? did you really need a publicist? How did that come about as a writer? Well, it's been interesting because I've gone the route of non-traditional publishing, and so I'm not mm-hmm. with a with a large company that has their own publicity and, and marketing and things like that. So I went with what's called a hybrid publisher, Glass Spider Publishing, and so it's somewhere between traditional publishing and self-publishing. You have editors, mm-hmm. you have people that help you get it out there, but when it comes to the marketing and the publicity and a lot of the creative decisions, they're left with the author. 
And so mm. um, my publisher actually knew Jennifer and, and hooked me up with her for publicity. And I just started working with her on this. Hmm. When you got into this, what were your expectations in comparison to what they are now? <laughs> they were vastly different. And, you know, when I first started <laughs> writing, I this is not the first novel that I've written. It's the first one that's been published. But um, mm. initially, you just write because you don't have a choice. It's something in you that just drives you and makes you want to tell stories. And so I was initially just writing for myself. And then the more I got into it, the more I took classes and thought, you know, maybe I could do this for a career. Maybe I could make this happen. Then I started, you know, being a little more planful about it, a little more proactive. And and then so initially I thought, okay, I'm going to write this book. I'll send out some agent query letters. I will immediately get an agent. I will immediately get a publishing deal with a big company, and my life is going to change forever. <laughs> well, that has not mm. happened. Um, <laughs> but it's been a fascinating experience because I have learned so much about mm-hmm. publishing and about marketing that I, I'm not sure I would have learned if I went the traditional route. So sometimes mm. necessity breeds invention and you have to learn how to do things definitely i mean you know when you went on this adventure and i'm I'm a very inquisitive person so excuse me if i have a lot of questions oh, i guess that's that's what that's what makes me a, a a talk show host my mom told me she says you know your first question was why <laughs> <laughs> get over here why why <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I started very young before podcasting was even a pie, you know, it was even a, a, a option. I was already, I was oh, already boy. practicing. <laughs> so being that now that you are a published author and, and, and all these things are coming at you, what is the biggest lesson that you have learned? I have learned that you have to take responsibility for your own creativity, your own product and what you're putting out there. So it's not for me to, even though I have people who are, who are helping and who are, you know, on my team and, and all of these things, you have to take responsibility for what you're putting out into the world. So this is my baby. This is, this is my book that I'm putting out there. And if I'm going to put my name on it, then I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that it's the best that it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest question that people have asked me is, hey, I have so many books in my head, but I'm not a very good writer. I don't think people are going to mm-hmm. want to hear what I have to say. What, what, what do you think about that? You know, I would say to them, anybody can be a writer if they want to. It just, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's some level of, you know, innate ability, but so much of it is learned skill that if you, if you want to do something, if you have a story that you really, really want to tell, then go take the classes, learn how to do, learn some basic writing skills. And then the biggest thing is just to show up every day, like writing is your job. You block out time every single day and say, I'm going to write until this is finished. And then I'm going to rewrite it, and I'm going to and and going to do it again. And because everybody, everybody, every writer out there has a crappy first draft, and people sometimes think that we just sit down at a at a computer and just spew out brilliance, and that is not the way it works. <laughs> we all have to write and rewrite and edit and all mm-hmm. of the things. And so 
I say don't don't be discouraged because you have a crappy first draft because we all do, and just keep at it until you have something that you're proud of. Mhm. Mm. I love and it. That's what I would say. I, I love. I love that you, you know, you you took something that, you know, bothered you, put it on page, put it on paper, published it, and now it's like it's it's blossoming, it's coming to life. You know, I am what, feeling that. What, yeah. I mean, it is. It's definitely so. Now that you have that, what's next for you? I am currently working on my next book, which is a historical fiction piece. And so I always have at least two stories in the back of my head somewhere that I'm working on. And so I'm I'm just working on my next book. Okay, and I, careful, I also though. have a day job, too. It's a, a oh, see, that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, I mean, can writing really, truly pay the bills at this moment? Not at this moment, no. Eventually, yes. At this moment, mm-hmm. I am paying the bills by being an English teacher at a college. Oh, that's kind of cool, though. I mean, but I kind of expected you to be an English teacher because you're a writer, you know. Not that, it, not it that, it, you know. That way. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of happens that way. Now, I want, I want to caution you, please, uh, from me yeah. to you. Be careful about what you write because you're writing my life. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll be really careful. Be careful, because what I'm looking at is the wall, and and the kids uh-huh. that couldn't get past the wall, and then right. Virginia becoming a wasteland. Uh, yeah, be careful, because <laughs> I think well, I, I think someone's like listening. I, I know, so maybe I'll steer away from dystopian fiction in the future and go back towards historical fiction. <laughs> no, just write about a lot of happiness. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's what I'll do. I'm bothering you. But mostly mostly I love it because, you know, again, this is something that came out of your imagination that is now coming to pass. That is amazing, and I love it, I love it. Where can people reach you? They can reach me on Facebook. I am Rachel Ann Cox Writer. I have a Facebook page. Also on my um, website, rachelandcoxwriter.com, or on Instagram, also, rachelandcoxwriter, any of those places. Coxwriter.com. Okay, I got that. So I wanted to make sure I put that up on our description. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners, to your fans, to people who maybe would want to become writers? Never give up. Just keep doing it. Keep plugging along. I always think of the fact that J.K. Rowling was, you know, in her late 30s, early 40s before she really got started. So many writers out there don't really get their start until they're a little bit older. And so just don't give up and keep going. And as far as the story itself goes, I want to tell people mm-hmm. that even though dystopian fiction is can be scary to think of ways that we can screw up our future, I feel like this book mm-hmm. is about connection and the things that make us human. And most of all, I want to leave people with a sense of, of hope and the fact that we can change our future. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I appreciate that. And that's exactly what our show is about today, changing your life, careers that can change your life. Uh, one more question. How has writing changed your life and being a publisher? You know, it, it has become my life. <laughs> um, 
it changed my life because I, I look at the world differently now as a writer. You mm-hmm. you notice things, you notice little details. You're constantly kind of like you and your job. You're asking yourself that why question all the time. Okay, somebody just did mm-hmm. this thing over here that I saw, but why? Why did they do that? What's their motivation? And so I'm constantly looking at the world that way and kind of, you know, gleaning stories from that. And so that's my life has changed because I, I look at the world differently now. Well, I want to thank you again for being on the show, Rachel. It's been a pleasure having you. A light from the ashes, guys. Rachel and Coxwriter.com. You know, I appreciate it and thank you again so much. You have to come on with your next uh your next book when it's done. But, you know, be be nice on us people on the earth here. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem, Rachel. Thank you again so much. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. To see your piece of work come to life like that, and I'm playing around with her, but seriously, it's like she wrote it. It came to pass. You know, a lot of times we we don't think that, you know, what we are doing can become reality. And, you know, I mean, you just got to be alert and, and don't forget to change your life with, you know, with just different things. Okay, so I wanted to go over one more fact. Um, changing your life with a career is not just, you know, the only thing that we could do. You could change your life by loving yourself more, by not uh, criticizing yourself so much, um, by changing your habits. I mean, there are so many ways to change your life, and I hope that today's show has really helped you to see that life is a constant change and that we are always evolving, always moving forward. And don't put yourself down so much. You're doing great. I want to thank you guys for being on the show and, uh, and you know, for Rachel Ann Cox for being on the show today and for Lisa Nichols for telling her story one more time here on Dream Chasers Radio. I, I mean, to me, it is amazing that we are even here. So make the most of it and dare to be different, babe. Thank you.